On today's Believe in Chicago Sports podcast, we break down the impressive White Sox 2020 postseason debut. We then preview the Cubs' matchup against the Marlins, the first time they've faced each other since... 2003? Ugh, bad memories. We'll then give you our Bears predictions and a whole lot more on Episode 7, coming up now. Welcome in to the Believe in Chicago Sports Podcast, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one network for professionals. Listen to us wherever you want, however you want, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it, wherever you listen to the podcast, you could go on ahead and download us. I am Dan. You can find me on Twitter at TweetDanCollins. He's Joey Gelman. You can find him on Twitter. Make sure to write this down. It's hard. At Joey Gelman. Joey, I am in a pumped up mood. First time the Chicago White Sox have been in the postseason since 2008 against the Rays. The postseason baseball is here. The White Sox are back, and we are ready to rock and roll. It was a very fun um, game one today against the Oakland Athletics, a victorious one behind a magnificent effort of Lucas Giolito, who brought a perfect game into the seventh inning. I'm not going to lie. Once that broken, once that was broken up, I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> Only the fifth pitcher in Major League Baseball history to go perfect through six whole innings in a playoff game. One pitcher of which was able to pitch the perfect game, Don Larson, back in 1956. But, Joey, there's almost nothing else you could have asked for as a White Sox fan. You had your ace, Lucas Giolito, as we just touched on, performing as an ace. He did everything you could have asked for today in his first ever playoff appearance. You had... MVP, though, hitting a home run and showing you why he should be the MVP. He is the front runner, you would think, for AL MVP. Goes yard in, in his first playoff series with this club, his first playoff series ever. And then you have somebody like Tim Anderson, who you needed him to come back. He goes, what was it, three for five? Incredible. So you had the bats come alive. You had your MVP play like an MVP, you had your starting pitcher, just be a complete dominant ace out there, don't really know what else you want to ask for. No, you're right. You, you, you stole the words out of my mouth. They couldn't have asked for anything better today. I mean, they hit on every cylinder you wanted to see. It was the Lucas Giolito that you've watched grow and become the stud of a pitcher that he is, and to carry a no-no that long is is impressive. And the bats came alive. It, it was awesome. I love your MVP, though. Did you have you trademarked that yet? Because that's really good. I haven't. No, I have not. That's good. We're going to use that. Um, but no, it it it, it was impressive, and it, it's the showing you want for your team, especially for the first time since two thousand and eight. It's like you just want to see this team kick some ass, and they really did. It was it was awesome, and it's exciting. I mean, you know, you look at the Chicago sports headlines all the time, and. You and I have been obviously fans forever, but covering these teams too, and it's it's always ugh, it's another season of this, another season of that. And you look at it and you go, the Bears made a historic quarterback change. The Cubs and Sox in the playoffs. The Sox kicked ass in the playoffs today. The Bulls hire a new coach. The Blackhawks, I guess, are on the radar for something we don't know yet. But it's the idea of there's a lot of energy in the city right now about their teams, and the White Sox just kept that energy up today by taking Game One against one of the better teams in the AL and. They 
they really set the tone. And we'll get into it as we go along, but this is way different now because it's a three-game series. That's it. It'd be one thing if you're the A's or if you were the White Sox. You go, okay, we can strategize certainly this way because of we know we have at least five or seven games to get things on track. If the White Sox win tomorrow, it's over. That's how quick this is. So I like it, how that sounds. Right? So so it's it's a whole completely different ball game now of you're not guaranteed the three games. It's could be two. And the A's are sent packing again. Which I would love because it's just it keeps the city excited and and I'm a Cub fan, but it keeps the city excited and the A's always seem to get bounced. It's kind of a funny storyline. But it's it can really change in a dime like that and it's it's awesome. I understand there's a long way to go, you know, in the postseason. I'm not riding the White Sox in by any means as the favorite now to win the World Series just because of what they did, you know, to the A's today. But my excitement stems from, let's just be real here. Once again, the first time since 2008 this club was in the postseason. It's been a dozen years since we were even able to see them play a, a playoff game. And to have the game that they had today was just an incredible amount of fun. And while I definitely just want Dallas Keuchel to go out, perform like Giolito 2.0, and just win this series, move on to the ALDS, that would be amazing. But no matter how this series shapes out, you just have to enjoy at least this for what it was, right? It's a wild time in Chicago sports. Great time. It, it, you know what? I'll tell you this, Joey. It's a perfect time to start a podcast Related to Chicago sports, is Man, it we not? did this good. We did real good, didn't we? It's almost like we have some good ideas. I'll <laughs> tell you that much. But you just really have to enjoy it for what it is. And not only is it a White Sox playoff victory, but it's all the other things we mentioned along the way. You were very nervous about the offense going in, even though against the Cubs to wrap up the season, they made a late late push there at the end, ended up scoring eight runs. There was still so much, that series against the Indians, and then the way they played the whole series against the Cubs, you just weren't that comfortable going in, and you did have a lot of questions. And it's not like I don't. It's not that I completely trust the offense again. You know, I, I opened up the show saying the Sox were back, and, I mean, we'll, we'll see. There's still a long way to go. But they were at least back today. I hope they stay here. <laughs> they, they, were, they were here, and they did enough of what they had to do. And going in, I, you know, I looked at the lineup, and I was comfortable with it. And what do you know? Leave it up to Rick Renteria to start the power-hitting right fielder, Adam Engel, who got us on the board with the home run. He started the power-hitting one today. Um, didn't really expect that. You know, out of that out of that choice for Adam Engel to be the one uh, to kick things off with a home run the way he did, you obviously didn't necessarily see that coming. But I'll take it any day of the week and twice on this playoff Tuesday. And just have to enjoy it. You know, it, it's been a long time since we were able – to watch and everything about that game from start to finish is completely entertaining because even when the White Sox offensively had a couple innings that didn't work out too great, you still got to see Giolito pitch right after. And <laughs> when when he gave it up in the seventh inning, the perfect game that is, I was like, great, because I was about to go to the, run to the bathroom and puke the way things were going. I just couldn't wait nine more outs to, to for him to potentially pitch the second perfect game in playoff history. I just couldn't take it. But it almost seems like when that hit happened, not that he was a little more relaxed, but it was like, I almost enjoyed that. It was like, okay, the, the no, the, the perfect game bid 
is over, now he could just focus on winning this playoff game because there's almost too much going on there. You know, I'm not saying there was too much pressure, but that's a lot to have to worry about. Your first ever playoff game for a team that hasn't been in the playoffs since 2008. So much is riding on this young club. They just want to go out and it's a three game series. Like you mentioned, like everything about that game was so huge. And when he did give up the perfect game bid, you almost said, all right, let's just go out there and do it. And one thing I loved, I don't know if you saw it or not, Joey, but during his post-game press conference that he had with the, with the broadcast crew, he said it was different because when he pitched the no-no in the regular season, he said that after the sixth inning, he kind of had it in his mind, all right, you know what, let me, let me go out there and, and try to throw this no-hitter. That, that's what was in his mind was, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go give this a go. I'm going to go give this no-hit bit a go. But he said it was different this time around because that's not what was on what was on his mind. He didn't go out in the seventh inning and say, all right, let's give this perfect game a go. I'm going to try to pitch a perfect game right now. He wanted just to win the game, <laughs> which all for it. That's exactly, as a White Sox fan, what I wanted to hear during his postgame press conference with the broadcast crew. And now you just go into tomorrow feeling a little, you know, a, a little optimistic, which which you should going up one game in a three game series. And you have a experienced playoff veteran in Dallas Keuchel. And really quick, Joey, when you think of the Oakland A's, at least me, and maybe it's just the popular book and movie Moneyball, but you think pretty statty, right? Good, good with the statistics, good with the numbers, play by the numbers. The White Sox came into the game with a record of 14-0 and zero against lefties. And the Oakland A's started a southpaw. What? The numbers tell you do not do that. Tim Anderson hit almost 450 against lefties this season. The club hit their slash line was 284, 361, 527 against left-handed pitchers. And Oakland gifted us a left-handed pitcher today. What was that about? I don't know, but I'll take it. Yeah, I mean, and especially in a three-game series, I know you want to pitch your normal guys, but there's a reality of this could be over in two days, and you got to account for that. And Bob Melvin's a tremendous manager and a great statistician Correct. and tactician agree, when yes. it comes to baseball. Yes. But um, as much as you want to trust your guy, it's almost like you want to flip it and go with maybe an opener and do a couple guys out of the bullpen and then get to your starters in the end and and play that game versus riding everything on a lefty that you know has the stuff, but the problem is the White Sox know how to hit that kind of stuff. Right, and more to the pitching, another thing that is a little refreshing, this playoff year, at least if you want to make a deep run into it, which what team doesn't, it's going to be a little different than years prior. Isn't it funny how... Like the last few seasons, Joey, you look at it and the storyline is, all right, look out for the teams that are going to be bullpenning, right? It's almost like which team has the strongest bullpen? And for the rest of time, <laughs> with the way the game is 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 today, you're always going to need a great bullpen. And that is the case this year. But you could, you could be potentially be playing a whole lot of baseball games. You have a three-game series to start. Then if you move on to the divisional series, you have a best of five. Then if you move on, best of seven, World Series, then best of seven. So there's a few more games you could play here, and you have to be very, as a manager, careful with how you manage your bullpen. Because if you want to make a great run into this thing, 
you don't want to tire those arms out right away. And White Sox, you know, a, a few, they, they utilized three relievers today, but I feel Renteria did a great job on not pulling Giolito too early. 100 pitches hit the century mark. That's fine. Gave, gave up, you know, a couple base runners, decided to take him out then and there, but we didn't have to just go to the bullpen right away. A lot of that on Giolito, courtesy of him taking a perfect game into the seventh inning, then going out again in the eighth inning. But now, you know, you have a guy like maybe like a crochet who didn't pitch today that you can utilize maybe tomorrow or down the road. And you don't have to use pitchers you use today, maybe like an Aaron Bummer or whatnot. So another just important factor to look at that it just keeps ringing up. Excitement. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. It, it, it's a very good position the White Sox put themselves in. And, man, how amazing would it be? I, I don't want to jump to anything crazy here, but <laughs> tomorrow with Dallas Keuchel on the bump, I'm just going to be biting my nails the entire time because that could be so important, so important to just go two and out. Right. And then have Giolito out there, have Keuchel out there, two and out, we're done. Maybe use a couple bullpen arms tomorrow and then rest them up for an ALDS series. Right. Very long way to go. Oh, Very yeah. Very long way to go. Very. But that idea <laughs> that I get to go to bed with tonight, right? I, I, get to, <laughs> I can just sleep and think happy thoughts of, you know, White Sox baseball here. It's a gr- it, it's, it's better than going to sleep thinking, holy cow, tomorrow is a must win or we're going home very early. We're going home even before October. We're supposed to be in October baseball this year and we'll be going home before October. Luckily, the White Sox bought themselves at least one extra game by winning today, and I just, I just really don't know what more you wanted to see. I mean, like I said already, it's, it's excitement that you went up 1-0 in a three-game series. Oh yeah, it's, a, it's excitement on the way it all panned out. I mean, offensively, we didn't crush the ball today. I mean, you had Tim Anderson going three for five. You had the home run by by Abreu. You had the home run by Angle and. Eloy, hopefully, we could see him back sooner rather yeah, than later. Yeah, that'd be nice. Because that, that is one thing today that, you know, s- seeing him just sitting there in the bench like, oh, you, re- you really want to see Eloy Jimenez out there on the baseball field in the playoffs. That is one thing that when the when the camera turned to him, you didn't feel incredibly comfortable about. But still, you know, you had home runs from Abreu, Angle, the Yasmanian Devil. T.A. was lighting it up with the bat, stick-talking. Still want to see a little bit more from that offense, but – that's fine. Offense is contagious. The home runs were contagious today. Just keep that keep that momentum going into game two, please. And I yeah. will be very, very happy, man. <laughs> I mean, we like making Dan happy. Uh, and, and I wanted to, you, you know, you brought up some stuff with with the pitching and with Giolito. And I have two questions on it. I think first relates to the, to the game and second overall baseball. The first one is, I'm trying to gauge how we felt about Renteria's management of of Giolito in this one, knowing it can be a long playoff run, hopefully, and knowing how these games work. You usually don't ride a starter very long. Obviously, he had the no hitter, so it, it's it's okay in that regard most of the time. But there was that iffy moment of, like you said, he kind of felt a little relaxed after he let up that hit. But the Renteria went out to go kind of talk to him, and then he let up even more hits, and then it would kind of completely change the the nature of his demeanor and let up that run that inning. And it was kind of like, was that really a smart move? Like Ricky Renteria doing that? Or you either got to take him out in that moment when you go out there after he's let it up or 
you keep them and you ride them, and then you, you can take them out for the inning. It just it seemed like he kind of you know like when you played a like MVP baseball and you do the mound visit, and he goes your your reaction to the pitcher or your 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 attention to the pitcher now is negative or positive. It's like I feel like that's what happened with Renteria today. Of uh, uh, they gave like here's the reaction, it's negative, and then it kind of spiraled. Luckily. The Sox failed to get out of it. So that's one question I have for you. Well, I guess I'll start there. You can talk about that management, then I'll move to my second one. So I don't go on a rant for three hours. Fair enough. I, I enjoy a good Joey rant, so by all means, please. <laughs> but did did you hear the broadcast crew? I don't know if you caught oh, it. Oh, they were ripping them. Well, not only that, but at the when the when the top of the eighth inning concluded, they're like, oh, because they were talking the whole time leading up, like, it looks like Giolito might be done here. You know, it looks like he might be done. He's, you know, being a little chatty, conversational, whatever they were saying, you know, something along with that note. They were pretty much saying, you know, they were hinting that Giolito was most likely done. And then he comes out. And then Renteria, you know, when Giolito leads up a base runner, comes out and they go, oh, this is probably it. He's getting the heave Oh, no. Okay. I'm, I'm just done guessing. Right. And then he gives it, then he gives it the base hit knock and finally gets him taken out. I'll say this. When he gave up the the first base runner, it was a courtesy of the walk, if I'm not mistaken. I was like, all right, you know, he gave him he gave him a, a very short leash here in the eighth inning, you know, one and done. He's gonna go on and get him. But then he didn't. And I was okay with it because the message there was mostly, hey, do you at least got one more for me? Or can you get the next guy out? He really wanted to leave it on Giolito's shoulders. And once he gave up the hit, he's like, all right, this is 100% the time I do need to take him out. There was no more guessing, right? He he took the ball out of his own hand because it was just time, right? there. like, no other way to get him out. But I am fine with that, considering it was a 4-0 ball game. You had one guy on base. Yes, things could turn into an instinct, but that shows a lot of trust he had not only in Giolito, but in all the guys he also had in the bullpen. And I think he obviously knew going out there, Giolito had one more base runner tops, whether it be a base hit or a walk. There was one more batter tops he had, you know, that if he was going to give up any bases to, then he was taken out. And because, like we both said, how it's a very long, it it could be a long, long road if you want to win it all. And that's what you should somewhat set yourself up for. Yes, this is game one. Extremely important. You don't get to the World Series unless you win two games here. You need to win these two games here. Just like in the LDS, you have you have to win there. You can't plan too far ahead. I understand that. You can't pull the Dusty Baker. But I was okay. I was fine with it. I was totally fine with it. And luckily it worked out. One thing I'll disagree with a little bit, and they mentioned this on the broadcast as well, is Gilito comes out after, you know, allowing a couple guys on base and obviously disappointed, right? Frustrated. What pitcher wouldn't be? You were pitching, you were lights out, lights out for the first seven innings. You come on in the eighth and unfortunately you just couldn't get it done. Like I said, he took the ball out of his own hands there. And they were saying, you know, now you leave him with this negative mindset. The guy was amazing. And now he goes into the dugout frustrated with himself. However, thankfully it turned out as a White Sox victory. Because then it's fine. Your bullpen backed you up. They got you out of there. You know, there was the one run, obviously, which is charged to Giolito. But they won the game. And I think that's plain to be happy of. And I think as long as the White Sox win this series, because we won't see Giolito again unless the White Sox win this series. So I think he'll be in a positive mindset the next time we hopefully do see him. I hope to see Giolito again this year in the playoffs. And I don't think he'll go in there being negative. Pitched a great game today. The White Sox won, courtesy of his efforts in his first ever postseason game. And if you were to pitch again, 
It means the White Sox win the series, and I think all is well. So it worked out. One, in hindsight, it definitely worked out. But two, I like to say that that would be my mindset, even if it didn't end properly or if it didn't end the way I would want it to. For I mean, if he takes Giolito out there in the bullpen somewhere along the road or even right then and there, it was just too late and the A's make an amazing comeback. I still like to think that I'm okay with it. I was more than okay with it. So that answers your first question. You can continue your rant if you want. <laughs> Sorry for being long-winded there, but That's okay. We go from soapbox to soapbox. My second question and observation is in regards to the, the, the new rules this year for MLB. And I'm curious now because, you know, playoff baseball is literally a bullpen game. For, for however long it's been for the last 10 years or so, it's become a bullpen game where you're having starters go maybe five six innings at most, and yeah. then you have 12 pitches in between. Now you have a three-batter minimum, and that changes the whole game. And so I think it's going to get some taking used to, because at least for me, like I'm used to a different style of baseball in the playoffs. Like Your starter goes four innings, five innings. I don't like that style, but that's what it's always been for the last couple of years, and you move on to the bullpen. Now you look at someone like, like Giolito, who obviously was allowed to stay in the game and should have because he had awesome stuff and a no hitter going but it's the reality of you you have to almost ride your starters more now like old school baseball because you can't rely on having every matchup be as ideally matched up as possible because you can't keep swapping out pitchers for a lefty and a righty hitter and i think that's going to be interesting to watch as we go forward with these starters especially with aces because there's not that many off days like a normal playoff series so you're having these guys needing to go longer and longer to get you to the promised land. And it's going to be really fascinating to see how that works. It's a completely different managerial approach. And, and I, I don't know if teams will hurt by it, but it's definitely weird and definitely different. And, and so that's what I think also comes into effect for Giolito here of, luckily, it's a two-game series, so you have the luxury to keep him in longer. You don't have to make sure he comes back for games five or game seven. But... As a manager, you almost have to have more trust in your starter, but you also that also allows them to to have more leeway because you don't have the the bullpen. You gotta you gotta stick with your guy. You know, it, it's also interesting to think there because you know now that you just have me thinking about that particular rule. It's if you take him out when he lets the first base runner on. Now it's Evan Marshall coming into the game one man on. But you give up a hit, you know, after the mound, first mound visit, and now Evan Marshall has to come in, face at least three batters, and there's two men on. So he's, <laughs> he's the main guy who's got to get you out of the majority of this, right? But once again, I, I think it's, it's showing not only the ultimate trust in Giolito there, but in the arms you do have in the bullpen and in the trust you had in Marshall because you knew he was going to be the guy if Giolito, Giolito let another man on, which he did. So now Marshall has to come out, at least phase three. And I'll tell you this, I might be of the minority here, but I really don't like that rule. I just don't. <laughs> I think you should be able in regular season, postseason, whatever, you should just always be able to, to manage however you want. Yeah, I don't whether like it's, it either. Whether it's you just want to 
the guy to a lefty to come in and be a lefty specialist and face one batter, or you want a guy to face two, whatever. I feel it almost takes the strategy right. out of the game, even though people say it's the a lot of people say the opposite. They say it puts more right. strategy into the game. Well, it's interesting because it's it's I don't like the rule because you shouldn't mess with the way the game is played. However, I don't like the playoff approach teams do use to go such a scripted method with your bullpen because then you may have a starter that's kicking ass and but he has a short leash because you the manager decided that pregame and that's what I what I don't like about it to go to the bullpen. Yeah, uh, so early like I want you to ride the hot hand, but I but to the same reason why I don't like a runner starting on second base. It's just it's you're changing the way the game is played to try to placate to people who want the game faster. It's like either I'm going to want the game or not. You got to it, it's it's messed up. You want the game to be faster, put in an, like an actual real pitch clock. You know, don't don't make it to where you have to only face three people minimum. Three people minimum now. That way, there's less pitching changes. That's just that's just silly to me. I, it's it's just weird. <laughs> not not the way not the way I want to see it done. But it is what it is. Those are the rules, right? And it it adds a different type of strategy to the game. I guess you could say. I don't know if I like the style of strategy. Um, and before we move on to the, to the guys on the north side, because I know you definitely want to preview that matchup against the Roaring Marlins, but something to really focus on today is when it comes to Lucas Giolito, recently he's just been so locked in from like a visual standpoint. I don't mean like release point or anything like that. I mean, maybe some other you know special analyst out there would be able to break that down and, and say that, but just from a very simple fan perspective, when the camera's on him during these big game situations, and just, just as of late, this being the biggest game he's ever pitched in, he does the whole like rocking around and moving and the stare and everything, but he's so dialed in and he's just been so focused. And sometimes you would notice Giolito when he has a lot of good starts in a row or when there's like a big series coming up. We saw this against the Cubs correct me if I'm wrong, one of the series where he just wasn't himself almost too up for the moment. But this being the biggest game he's ever pitched in so far was locked in what <laughs> the be- best stuff you've seen from, from G lead almost all year, unless you want to reference the no hitter, of course, but it, it's, it was incredible. And I think there's something to note there that he was just dialed in and focused. And if you could get that G for at least, hopefully, please, one more playoff series and hopefully more all the way to the end for my own fan, fandom. That's the guy you want. That That's the ace you want. Yeah, you had a very young team today and, and a pitcher with not a lot of playoff experience at all in Giolito that, that looked like he was supposed to be there. They all felt like we deserve this. We're supposed to be here. And that's, yes. all, that's all you can ask for. I mean, a guy like Abreu deserves it more than anyone. I mean, he's been there... F- through so much losing, and, and and now you have a, the rest of the team that kind of follows his footsteps and is like, yeah, we are this good. We're meant to be here, and why not? You're playing with house, playing with house money. It's like it's like when the Red Sox won 04. They always like the the idiots they called themselves. Like they weren't supposed to really do what they were supposed to do, and and who cared? They they took advantage and did it. So we're here to change the game. That's the White I Sox. I love this it. Year. They were here to change. It was a big exclamation point for game one because if you had any doubt once again i know we've been talking about it so far all 
all show long, but it's it's a there's a lot to be said about your ace going out there and pitching like an ace. Your your shortstop who could swing the stick go out there and what he's been doing all season long against the lefties and live up to that expectation. Jose Breu going out there and hitting a home run, living up to that expectation. Yasmani Grandal, your biggest signing of the offseason, right? The biggest signing in the past few years from free agency. And he goes out and hits you a home run today, too. Much to be said about that. That was the big free agent signing, and he helps put a run on the board, courtesy of the home run. So it definitely felt like an explanation point type of game. And I know what Joey's looking at is another explanation point tomorrow for the Cubs who want to prove that, yes, we played in a not-so-great NL Central. Yes, we haven't been the Cubs that you're used to, especially offensively, but they still want to show that they're, they belong here, right, Joey? Absolutely. But it's also effective. I, I keep bitching about the division not being that good, but there's three teams in the, from the division in the playoffs now. The Brewers, the Cubs, and the oh my god, <laughs> the Brewers, Power, Power the Cubs, and the Reds. The Reds. Wow! See, I can't even fathom the Reds being in the playoffs. That I forgot who it is. Nor can I. Oh, That's god. a good point. Very weak division. However, they all made the playoffs. The majority of the teams. Yeah, well, we're all here. <laughs> Except it's for nuts. the Pirates. It's nuts. nuts. But no, I. It's 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 ex- it's always exciting. Listen, I mean, you had a good, as bad as the. As the Cubs have looked at stretches, they had an awesome week to end the year, and now you kind of get that reset, and you have a a pitcher in New Dar you Darvish that's reborn, and it's it's going to be fun to watch because he's very confident right now. We talked about the confidence with the Sox and, and and that idea of we're supposed to be here, and I think the Cubs hopefully will bring that mentality into their series against the Marlins. I mean, yes, it's an inferior team, but you can never take it, take it for granted, and. And you're going to have to do exactly what the Sox did today. Assert your dominance early and play like you're supposed to. And that's that's all I can ask. And I think the the U Darvish storyline will be fascinating because his postseason and his subsequent first two years with the Cubs have been just a downward spiral. And of course, that's due with the Astros and everything that did to him both mentally and even physically and how he pitched. And now here's kind of that fresh start of here I am. I'm the ace of the staff like I'm supposed to be, and I'm here to make you strike out. <laughs> and, and, and I hope that's that's the case. It, it, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. And I love that they're playing the Marlins because it's just ironic beauty that the last time the Cubs played the Marlins was obviously 03 when all the chaos and Bartman and what have you. And it's just going to be funny to see them all match up again and have the broadcast only bring that up for about 10 hours if the cubs never won the world series in 16 and then had to face the marlins again oh my Brutal. god it'd be, it'd be four hours apartment you wouldn't want to watch the you'd rather you'd rather take this postseason oh off god. never mind don't want to be reminded of it it's crazy you know i always thought tr- go ahead oh no go ahead no I, I want to hear more about your bartman disbelief or whatever whatever it is you're about to bring <laughs> well, up no it's it just the idea of i, I remember watching the 30 for 30? Well, 30 for 30. and was it Catching Hell? Yes, or, yes, yes. Yeah. Well, all that and with Bartman, and and he still should be, you know, he should have had the Buckner treatment and have be paraded through Wrigley Field of, like, we're sorry. But in, in terms of the, the 03, like, Marlins, like, it's a crazy concept of, I always thought, man, they won a World Series, they were, you know, expanded in the 90s, they won a World Series in 97, they won a World Series in 03, and I'm like, 
can I be this team? Like they just show up and win World Series, and then, <laughs> but then they haven't back, been back to the playoffs since 2003. Like it's, it's crazy. Wild. It's absolutely yeah. crazy. I was like, I'm all in. Let's do this. Mike Lowell, here we go. And then it it and Pudge Rodriguez, and then yeah. they, they have been irrelevant for 17 uh, years until 2020. No, hopefully yeah. <laughs> for you, hopefully not. It's weird. I'm I'm looking into this Cubs series, right? And this has been something I've been struggling with all year because you knew the Cubs were going to make the playoffs. You did. Division, while there's too many teams, three too, too at least two too many teams in the playoffs in that division, like you said, all but the Pirates in, um, albeit a weak division, and I should say weak bats for the Cubs this year, you just knew. I mean, you knew the Cubs were going to make the playoffs. You knew coming into the postseason they would be one of the teams. That was already that was already settled for the most part. That was a foregone conclusion. But all year, I've been struggling and going back and forth with what the expectations are. And not only just thinking what are the expectations that I have here for this team, but going up against the Marlins, a series that no matter how much the Cubs have struggled this year, I feel they should win. I'm thinking to myself, and maybe I'll just I'll pose a question to you here now. It's a three-part question. What would what type of outcome in this three-game series would surprise you? What type of outcome would feel, yeah, that makes sense? And is there any type of outcome that would shock you? So, you know, surprise, I guess, in a good way. What kind of surprise would there be in a bad way? And to you, what makes sense? Which I guess by answering that, you kind of give your prediction on the series, right? Yeah, I mean my, I mean my expectation and 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 what I expect is a Cubs series win, whether it's two to one or two zero. But the reality is, it's a three game series. It's just yeah. like even when when they used to have the wild card game, right? It's like either you have a one game rain out makeup as your playoff game, or now you have a three game. July series against the Marlins that you could easily be swept in because there's no room for error anymore. So, I mean, that would obviously be the shocking one. Um, A surprise would be them winning the series, but having really poor starting pitching. I can't, I can't put confidence Mm -hmm. in the offense because it's been so hit or miss. That wouldn't surprise me if they went in a downward spiral. But if you have a bad outing from Darvish and Hendricks to start your series, that would be the most surprising because then you're like, "That would shock." What the, do we do? That would yeah. shock the hell out of me. Yeah, that would shock the hell out of me. Yes, if if they get you know two game sweep right by the Marlins and Hendri- and it's because Hendricks and Darvish just had very rocky starts, that would really surprise yeah. me. You go, in, you would go into the offseason feeling really bad about that. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. No, me neither. And the way you have it set up with Hendricks and you being the one-two punch against this Marlins team, I don't know what else you can ask for. No, that I mean, much. I mean, those are, those are two horses. They have, you know, we, we, we touched a little bit last time, you know, about the, the side of the bracket that the White Sox are on. But you look at the side of the bracket the Cubs are on, they're 100% the favorites against the Marlins. Right. And you would assume, granted, the Reds have power and it's a three-game series, but you would assume it's the Braves who make it out of there. You would assume, and let's just say it is. Right? We'll just play the favorite. We'll chalk it up, literally chalk. We'll just ride chalk all the way to the finish line here. 
you get done with the Marlins, then if it's the Braves, I can see them getting past them too. Just saying. Just I mean, really to me, the only big threat here would be one of those California teams, most likely the Dodgers, right. or or to say be the Padres. But if they get that far, they only have to face one. <laughs> it's only That's the Dodgers true. or the Padres. And I'm not trying to, you know, Cubs haven't even played a game yet in the postseason. I get it. But it's fun to look at the bracket, and it's fun oh, to kind yeah. of project. You know, I don't want to go on ahead and, you know, push them into the NLCS now, but it's something you look at, literally, visually, the bracket. It's right oh, there. yeah. It's like March Madness. <laughs> you keep punching your ticket to survive in advance. That's the side they're on. You see what road they have if they get past the Marlins, which is very doable. I know there's Cub, there's Cub fans out there who pure Cub pessimism, no matter what has happened the past few years, including in 2016, which you don't don't have to be reminded of what happened there, who say you know they wouldn't be shocked if the Cubs even got swept. I would be. Even if it wasn't courtesy of bad performances of Hendricks or you, I'd still be shocked. And I'd be a little surprised even if they didn't get swept but lost the series 2-1. I really would be. So Yeah, no, I would be too. I see them going to the NLDS. And, I mean, if you if it is the Reds and you, you know, you're facing you know Bauer a time or two, that's a little scary to think about. But I'm, I'm thinking it's probably going to be the Braves. And if it is the Braves... You could beat the Braves too. You really can. <laughs> and that puts you into the NLCS. And that's a different story. And if they make it that far, that's definitely a show. We could spend plenty of time breaking down. But some things to be optimistic about, there really are. And, you know, for, for the sake of Cubs fans, maybe it will start tomorrow with, with Hendricks. I mean, if Hendricks gets it done and the Cubs, I should say, as a team as a whole get it done tomorrow, you're feeling just as pretty, <laughs> just as good as Sox fans are feeling because – you have what did you say the rejuvenated or refound man and you Darvish going game two to potentially close the door. It's a good position to be in, but you do have to play game one. Yeah. And my prediction will be: I guess you could just hear the prediction. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this after all the good things I've been saying apparently about the Cubs and this matchup they have against the Marlins is maybe it's because i'm not a cub fan so i don't have it doesn't come with that potential cubs pessimism that a lot of fans have um but yeah i, I see them man i don't know i could see a, i could see a clean 2-0 two and out you know I, I hope both sides of town for that matter go two and out that way we have plenty of good stuff to talk about but you know just breaking down this series here I, they should have it i mean they really should if they don't then that's going to be an interesting off season for them it really would yeah, be yeah that's but. for sure yeah, no, they should be fine. I, it's just, it's a, there's a, I don't know about every fan, but there's a team expectation of, you know, it's us and the Dodgers, and that's where it ends. And in this window, you're supposed to have as many bites of the apple as you can get. And right now, you only have one. From from 15 to 20, you only have one World Series appearance. And so the team expectation is you have to get there. Because then what's your, what, what, what's your answer as an excuse this time again? And how many times do you keep getting stuck? Uh, because this team's very good, but there's only so many chances you get. So I, I, I think you're right. I, I, I think it's the expectation is they'll be fine, and they should make it to the NLCS. And the date with L.A., that, that, that's what you're waiting for. And you hope they can come out on top this time because they, they haven't. And and it it's gonna be fun. I, I I love it. I love playoff baseball. I'm so happy it's back. And as crazy as the world is right now, the fact that we that we get to sit here and and talk about this stuff, 
Oh, I'll take it any day of the week. To my heart, yeah, it's yep. it's incredible. So I'm I'm stoked for the game tomorrow. And don't forget about Foles and the Bears. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't forget, Wait, there's don't a story there that. what happened there, there's so much going on right yeah Foles is the guy no shocker there no not at all. Right? This, this wouldn't be this wouldn't be the believe in chicago sports podcast if we didn't touch on that for at least a quick minute unless there's more you had to say about the cubs of course if you had to say more about the cubs by all means no that was kind of it but if, if we have to cover all teams and i got to bring up something about the brandon peary trade for the hawks that i don't really understand but anyways <laughs> we can go back to the bears there we go um yeah it's we we I'll be transparent here. We we talked a little bit, you know, about Bears, you know, and before this show. And you're right. I'm with you. It's in terms of what's going to go on this week. It's just all Nick Foles. That's the storyline. I know. Say all you want about question marks, you know, different question marks offensively and even defensively. You know, a lot of question marks. No, it, this game, for, especially for Bears fans, it's Nick Foles. It, it's what is he going to do? And I think the majority of this town, both media and fans, are 100% okay and more or less even just stoked about the Mitch Trubisky benching. And you know, I don't want to say it like that, but I think it's more so of what moving on to Nick Foles represents from a Mitch Trubisky standpoint than more of what it represents from a Nick Foles standpoint, right? It's not that as a collective Bears fans group that were so optimistic about the future star of the franchise and Nick Foles, right? That's what nobody really, at least I would think logical thinking fan. Is there such thing? Is that an oxymoron? Yes. Is, is that like a, is that like a <laughs> phrase that doesn't make sense? No fan is, logic, is no logical way. in nuts. their thinking, right? Especially a Bears fan. But no, I don't think it's so much the story of, Nick Foles is going to come in and be the savior, even though that's what everybody's hoping, you know, not necessarily, you know, an MVP caliber type of quarterback or this elite type of quarterback, but someone who's competent enough, as we've talked about, and is just good enough at the position to maybe win us some games. And going back to what it symbolizes just from the storyline of Mitchell Trubisky you said it last week. That's it. That's done. And I've seen it on your social media as well. Like, this is it. You reminded everybody. Like, the chapter in the book is closed on Mitch Trubisky. And I think anybody would have a hard time arguing against you and arguing against that point. And I think a lot of people feel the same way. And while you still want to see how good Nick Foles is going to do, and that's still the storyline, it's not so much because you fear Mitch Trubisky is going to go right back out there if Nick Foles fails, but that's the storyline now. The Mitch Trubisky book is done, and maybe Foles is just a stopgate quarterback, or maybe he's just a notch better. That's not necessarily why you should celebrate or be happy, strictly from a Bears fan standpoint. Oh, Mitch, down the road, figures it out, gets to a new club, maybe gets a second chance and does better. But this is the new – this is it. This is your quarter. This is what could potentially be – the guy who leads you into the playoffs. We're 3-0. That's a fact. And you look at the regulars, the regular season, the rest of the schedule, and you know who's behind center now in Nick Foles. You trust that he can at least get it done. And that's what it's all about. And that's why all eyes on Nick. Yeah. To, to see what he does this Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one thing on Nick and then we'll ask predictions before we close out. But it's interesting what you said of, of you know that like Nick Foles isn't the, the savior in the future of this team. 
And I think that's an interesting point because Bears fans kind of have to compartmentalize two different aspects here. You built this whole team over the last four years or so to get to a moment in time from 2018 to 20, let's say, 21 or 22 to really contend for division championships, NFC championship berths, and hopefully, you know, a Super Bowl, right? And there's a reality now of that that plan was based all around Trubisky and it didn't work. And sitting here as a Bears fan, you go, well, here we are again. We're stuck now. And I don't know who my quarterback is for the next 10 years like I wanted to. And you didn't wait till it was too late. You didn't keep putting Trubisky out there because he was your investment and because he was your plan. You said to yourself, just what you said, Joey, this isn't going to work. Not for the long. We know at least for the long term. We're not saying Foles for the long term will, but we know Mitch won't. So let's move on. Let's just close right. that chat. Let's close that book. Right. But now it's an interesting place to where you are as a Bears fan because you go, okay, that's over. I'm pissed about it because I'm supposed to have this star QB for the next 10 years to compete with. I don't have that now. And you have to almost take that out of your brain and just focus on the now and understand what this team is trying to do. And it's the reality of this team still is pretty good. I don't know yeah. if they're as good as they were, let's say, in 2018 where – they're a kick away, and with a competent quarterback, they can make a move. But in 2020, you're still in that contending window you were hoping for because it's Mr. Bixke's fourth year under contract on his rookie deal. So that's what you base this all around was that rookie deal plus fifth-year option. You're still in that window this year plus the fifth-year option next year. But you've replaced that, that miss at quarterback with Foles. And so you really got to pay attention to go – the Bears are still going all in. They understand they made a mistake. They're going to hopefully fix the quarterback issue and position, whether it's next year's draft, the following, or what have you. But right now, it's about contending in this next two-year stretch and seeing if Nick Foles can do it. Because clearly, after a couple of years, you realized your big draft pick was a bust. And that's what I look for now. It's This is Nick Foles' team, and... You want to see them succeed because this is the only time they're going to do it because in five they're not building something so in five years they're ready. They're ready now and you just are praying that the quarterback can play good enough to at least make it worth the investment of the fans. Yeah. Is it a band-aid, put a band-aid on it type of fix? Yes. Is it the best thing they have to choose from in that first aid kit cabinet? Yes, both can be true. It's not ideal. It's kind of building on the fly and patching it up as you go along. But you look at what the alternative is, Mitch Trubisky, and it's what you have to do. And you just hope, like you said, this gives you maybe a couple seasons now to hope Nick Foles could be the one to bring you to the promised land because at the way it's looking, it's the best thing you have in this window. What are you going to do? Draft a quarterback next season or the one after? Develop for a year or two? it's just not right but the pressure's on now i mean you got you got, right. you got two years here with Foles, or, or everyone's out right yeah. everyone's a clean house the window the window in the nfl is it's tight championship window, it's tight what five years max even for max. a team that's max so this is where it has to get done and you know, the bears made the playoffs in 2010 and never make it again until 2018 it's a small window it's a small window and the nick Foles era that you're referencing starts Sunday against the Colts. Who do you got? 
Who you got? <laughs> Who do I got? I'm going positive. I want the Bears to win this thing. I want to see Nick Foles in a week's worth of preparation come out and execute Nagy's offense as they're supposed to and, and not make the silly mistakes. So I know it's Phillip Rivers. I know the Colts are pretty are, are, are formidable, but I'm on the Bears. I'm going to say it's a uh, let's go 30 to 17. We'll put it. We'll have 30. Put up, we'll have them put up 30 again two weeks in a row. Nick Foles hanging up 30. I love it. All eyes on Nick this week, really. I mean, that's really what it is. You want to see the defense improve, you know, a little more than what they've shown you the first few weeks. Offensively, you don't want Allen Robinson to get a ball ripped from him again. You know, you rather, at worst, 50-50 there. Uh, I'm joking a little bit. But, no, all eyes on Nick this weekend. I agree. Uh, Maybe I'm just a little too optimistic. But the Colts, I think we could take them down. Don't know if they'll hang 30. I'll love to see that. Go maybe six points under that, and I'll go Bears victory 24-17, which is kind of a little too close for comfort, but I'll still go Bears victory. They could run the flag out after the game. 24-17 Bears. Go Bears! Look at us drinking the Kool-Aid. I love it. (laughs) I love it. It's time Chicago sports. It's beautiful. Well, that's going to do it for us today on the Believe in Chicago Sports podcast. Remember, we are part of the Believe Podcast Network, the number one network for professionals. He's on Twitter, at TweetDanCollins. I'm at Joey Gellman. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Tell your friends. Tell everyone you know. Like, rate, download, subscribe our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get them. Daniel, if you're going to jump in, what do you want to say? Oh, no, I was just going to say, yeah, let them all know. Call your <laughs> friends. Call your neighbors. The Believe in Chicago Sports Podcast. Download. You look like you were itching. I had to let you back in. I, I had to do the Hawk <laughs> reference. The, the perfect game was going today into, yeah. the, into the seventh inning. I had to give it a go. I love it. Uh, so anyways, uh, that's going to do it for us. Uh, we will talk to you guys again on Monday, which is going to be ridiculously jam-packed because you could have both playoff series over. You'll have a Bears game to recap. It's going to be busy as hell. So we're, we're, we're stoked to bring it to you. But um, again, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on Monday. Go Bears. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.